In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Dr. Judy Mikovits has been called one of the most accomplished scientists of her generation. Her 1991 doctoral thesis revolutionized the treatment of HIV-AIDS. At the height of her career, Dr. Mikovits published a blockbuster article in the journal Science. The controversial article sent shockwaves through the scientific community as it revealed that the common use of animal and human fetal tissues were unleashing devastating plagues of chronic diseases. For exposing their deadly secrets, the minions of Big Pharma waged war on Dr. Mikovits, destroying her good name, career, and personal life. Now, as the fate of nations hang in the balance, Dr. Mikovits is naming names of those behind the plague of corruption that places all human life in danger. So you made a discovery that conflicted with the agreed-upon narrative. <laughs> Correct. And for that, they did everything in their powers to destroy your life. Correct. You were arrested. Correct. And then you were put under a gag order. Um, for, for five years, if I went on social media, if I said anything at all, they would find new evidence and, um, and put me back in jail. And it was one of the few times I cried. And it was because I knew there was no evidence the first time. And they, when you can unleash that kind of force to force someone into bankruptcy with a perfect credit score. And so that I couldn't bring my 97 witnesses, which included the heads, Tony Fauci, you know, Ian Lipkin, the heads of the public health in HHS, who would have had to testify that we did absolutely nothing wrong. And so what did they charge you with? Nothing. But you were in jail. I was held in jail with no charges. I was called a fugitive from justice. No warrant. Literally drug me out of the house. Our neighbors are looking at what's going on here. You know, they searched my house without a warrant. They literally terrorized my husband for five days. They said, if you don't find 
the notebooks, if you don't find the material, which was not in my possession, but planted in my house. As if you took intellectual property from the laboratory. Is yes. that correct? It was, it was intended to appear as if I took confidential material names and intellectual property from the laboratory. And I could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that I didn't. Heads of our entire HHS colluded and destroyed my reputation, and the Department of Justice and the FBI sat on it and kept that case under seal, which means you can't say there's a case or your lawyers are held in contempt of court. So you can't even get a lawyer to defend you. So every single due process right was taken away from me and to this day remains the same. I have no constitutional freedoms or rights. You've seen the documentaries Plandemic and Plandemic Indoctrination, and now you're going to meet the filmmaker responsible. Plandemic, Fear is the Virus, Truth is the Cure, co-authored and edited by independent filmmaker Mickey Willis, tells the incredible story of the most banned documentary in history. Researching the controversy arising after the release of this viral phenomenon known as Plandemic, an investigative journalist sets out to disprove and debunk claims made throughout the film. Instead, this journalist opens a Pandora's box to witness firsthand an underworld of corruption, lies, and the darkest of unsolved mysteries. The result? A fascinating behind-the-scenes account about the making of Plandemic and Plandemic Indoctrination, an expose of the truth behind the origins of COVID-19, and an alarming examination of individuals such as Dr. Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates and organizations like the CDC, the NIH, the World Health Organization, and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, among others, driving the global vaccination agenda, and a look at the tech giant and mainstream media forces doing their utmost to silence and suppress the veracity of these findings. Investigative filmmaker Mickey Willis focuses his unflinching lens on the two key subjects, virologist Dr. Judy Mikovits, who speaks frankly about the machinations for control and profit-corrupting individuals and institutions tasked with overseeing public health, and Dr. David E. Martin, whose research and shocking data corroborate allegations of conflicts of interest. The U.S. media and fact-checkers condemned the two documentaries as a dangerous conspiracy theory. Today, the two-part bombshell is being hailed globally for warning the world of the crimes against humanity that are just now being uncovered. Plandemic was not Willis's first film, and he spent years as a filmmaker and interviewer. He held the first-ever Elevate Film Festival in 2006 and went on to produce such films as Weed the People, the Shadow Effect, and Be Brave and Impact. Mickey Willis, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Richard. Great to be here. The mainstream media likes to identify you as former actor, former model. So how did you become involved in taking this deep dive into the origins of COVID? Well, even that's kind of kind of funny that... that they brought up, the, the media did its part to bring up the fact that I, I modeled for about a year when I was 19 years old. I'm in my 50s now, so it's kind of funny that that's even being dredged up. And that was originally brought up to kind of discredit me as a researcher and as a filmmaker. Um, but, you know, the, the answer to your question is, is my interest in Western medicine 
was perked when my brother died of bad AIDS treatments, and a month, month later my mom died of bad cancer treatments, and so I was uh, in my early 20s when that happened. And so I've always um, kind of you know, been suspicious of what's going on within our Western medical establishment. And then along the way, of course, like all of us, we have, we have friends and families that are damaged by, by um, the pharmaceutical industry. I, I have family members that are addicted. I have a, a nephew who was uh, doing really well in, in the world and hurt his back and was given a prescription by a doctor, and the prescription simply said, take as needed. So he took it as needed and ended up becoming a drug addict as a result of that one little injury. And so, you know, that's really what has fueled me. And then when I became a father uh, 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now, I started researching vaccinations and whether or not we were going to have our children vaccinated. And that's when I stumbled upon uh, a lot of the information that is still to this day being hidden from the people. Um, I believe it was April 26th last year. You wrote in a, a Facebook post you were working on this film that was going to blast the light of truth into the darkest corners of our corrupt healthcare system. Did you ever expect to uncover the depths of the corruption, or did you go into this thinking maybe you might, in fact, find out some of these seemingly outlandish claims weren't true? Well, that's always a possibility, and that's that's part of our work is to even question ourselves and whatever whatever our biases are and what we believe to be true is to really double-check and triple-check to always try to poke holes in our own belief systems, you know, and that's how we have created a successful situation with these documentaries where they have not been able, even though the media says they're debunked, we've not had one claim that has been proven inaccurate in, in either one of the pandemic um, episodes. Um, but I, you know, kind of tagging onto what I said a moment ago, because I already knew the history of Anthony Fauci, I had was told by uh, a lot of people back when my brother died of AZT, which was the drug that Anthony Fauci was pushing very hard, and it ended up doing grave damage and, and killing a lot of people through the 80s and 90s. Uh, I already knew that Anthony Fauci had a really um, speculative record, to say the least. And so when I saw him reemerge for this pandemic, it just shocked me that he was still in the position that he was in. And so the one thing I was certain about was that he, that there was a story to tell about this man, if, if nothing else. And that, the exploration of, of his malfeasance led us down the rabbit hole and then into the world of patents where we found all of the money hiding, hiding and all of the paper trail that traced the, into the story that is just now being revealed to the world that this, was, uh, that this virus was produced through gain of function research. It was manipulated in a lab. How it escaped, we don't know, but that needs to be investigated. In Plandemic, we meet Dr. Judy Mikovits. Many of us, this is the, our first sort of introduction to Dr. Judy Mikovits, and she's a former chronic fatigue researcher and, of, of course, a, a staunch critic of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Can you just kind of summarize what Dr. Mikovits's main criticism of Dr. Fauci is with regards to AIDS? Well, her criticism is aligned with many doctors very renowned virologists and immunologists around the world who have anyone who's worked under Anthony Fauci and for the NIH in any capacity has a very similar story about him. And that is a story that they say he's a bureaucrat. He works, he, he works for the politicians. He pushes, he hides effective medicines, safe and effective medicines that can actually end a, a pandemic or any kind of an outbreak. 
and in, in turn pushes patentable medicines that big pharma makes billions of dollars off of. And in doing so, a lot of people suffer as a result of that. And uh, so Judy, Judy Mikovits worked in a laboratory that was overseen by NIH, Anthony Fauci, and she was given an ultimatum at one point. And this is a story that I've heard now dozens of times from different scientists, that they're often asked to do something that is either illegal or immoral. And if they do it, then they, what they find is, is that once, once the superiors have that dirt on them, then they're kind of forced into the system of corruption where they can no longer blow the whistle on things that they see happening. And, and they're also forced sometimes to go even darker down that, into that world of corruption um, with the threat that we'll reveal you if, you if you don't go along with us. And so Judy was given an ultimatum to play a dirty game, and she said, no, she won't do that. And as a result of that, they dragged her through the mud and, and tortured her literally by, you know, uh, driving her into bankruptcy, putting her in jail for five days, threatening her in every way, planting a, a bit of evidence in her, in her apartment so that they would have some kind of criminal offense against her to hopefully silence her. And to her credit, because she's a very brave woman, she refused to, to be silenced. And she continues to, to this day, and she will till the, till the, her very last day on this planet, I'm, I'm certain of. She'll continue to speak the truth. Independent filmmaker Mickey Willis is with us. Plandemic was posted on YouTube in May of, of last year and went absolutely viral. Are, are you actually credited with creating the term plandemic? As far as I know, yes. And then it was taken down. Can you just talk briefly about the the efforts by big tech and others to to uh, to bury this film? Absolutely, it was unprecedented the level of censorship, and it was really one of the first times that regular citizens had experienced the censorship themselves, because everyone that was sharing it was suddenly reporting back that for the first time ever that they've had their their page suspended or or um, they were demonetized from their channel, whatever it might be. And so it was literally unprecedented. We had every, every tech, big tech company you can imagine, from GoDaddy shut our URL down, Vimeo took our videos down, Dropbox went into our private password protected files that you store when you're working on projects. They went in, you know, behind the scenes, deleted everything. And it just went on and on of, of every single platform that was willing to share this and to give the people a, an alternative viewpoint by using this emergency use authorization to suggest to the world that we were, what we were doing was dangerous and killing people. Um, they were able to get all these tech platforms to obey. And now we're at a year and a half later, and I was just informed yesterday that they have, uh, uh, um, that they have in my main, I guess it would be the the uh, Wikipedia page, I believe is what it was, that they had take, taken the word conspiracy theorist off my page. And one of the reasons for that was because it, literally every claim that we put out there back in May of 2020 um, has been proven accurate. And we even put out, out a, a financial challenge to anyone, doctors or anyone that could prove otherwise, and no one, no one stepped up to take that. And so now we went from being, you know, the, the dangerous ones to... Uh, the tide has turned so much that we're now receiving a lot of gratitude, and, and it feels good. It just feels good to know that 
you know, it's not about us, but just that the people are actually understanding what's what's really going on with the situation, that it's re- not really about our health and protection. What about efforts to uh, censor the, the, the book that's just come out? Well, I hope they take it further, because what the censors, the gatekeepers, have not fully understood is that the more they do that, the more they want, the more they make people curious, and, and, and they'll look harder for, for this material. And so... It, they have tried. They've tried to get the bu- the book banned. Um, I will say that it's not really a making of the pandemic movies. It goes much further than that. It it actually was a book that I didn't want written because I didn't have the time, and we were very busy fielding all of the stuff that was going on with the media and the smears and everything after pandemic two indoctrination was released. Um, but I, I I took it on because I was told that there was an investigative journalist who would do most of the writing, and I, I would just have to be available for a couple of interviews. And as it turned out, this investigative journalist had set out to make a hit piece on us, another one. And she had some some notable books that she had written, so I thought that she would you know wouldn't do that. But it turns out that that was her intention. But a couple of months into her work, she called my producer Eric and said she's at a real impasse that she doesn't know what to do because she's not been able to prove one claim inaccurate in the movie and now she wants to take her name off the movie be off the book that is because she's afraid that she'll get canceled and she's got some big deals coming up and she doesn't want to lose those deals understandably and so she called ended up calling me and and told me she said i i was i was ready to pile on the bad press with you guys she said but i have to say you guys did a fantastic job of research my mind is blown i can't believe what i'm finding here i'm actually kind of terrified by what i'm discovering myself i'm surprised i didn't know this as an investigative journalist and i don't know what to do now and um and so we ended up striking a deal and saying well why don't i come in we can't just have a book written by nobody so why don't i come in as your co-author and let's take it even deeper. Let's take it all the way. And so we do. Uh, there's a lot of things we didn't do in the movie because I thought people aren't ready to hear it yet. But let's let's go for it in the book. And on top of that, let's make it a as much as we can. Let's make it a a book that allows people to heal and to come back together. Let's write it so that it can be shared with people who know that their family members are on the fence and just need to see the data, the, the real verifiable information with statistics and everything, and written in a way with enough heart that it isn't, uh, it isn't so biased that it, it demonizes one side or turns people off, that it actually creates a, a, a bridge for people to um, accept what's happening right now. And it was written from that point of view, and so far it seems to be that it's been very effective and very proud to say that it went number two on Amazon and it's got five-star reviews so far and um, I really didn't expect that and so I'm grateful for the people who have gone out and supported the book. Many of us were watching with you know rapt fascination as U.S. Senator Rand Paul was grilling Dr. Anthony Fauci about the NIH's role in gain-of-function research and of course Fauci repeatedly deny, deny, deny. What was going through your mind as you were watching those two go at it? Yeah, great question. A lot was going through my mind because it was actually Dr. David Martin, who is the lead speaker in Plandemic 2, Indoctrination, who educated Rand Paul and Ron Johnson with what David Martin has developed that he calls the Fauci dossier. He has uh, he has information dating back to the mid-80s. Anthony Fauci was uh, he, he was given his position in 1984, ironically, if you understand the, the significance of the, of the date 1984, 
Hmm. And David ha- David Martin has been collecting evidence on him since then. And so he, he got together with Rand Paul and Ron Johnson and educated them on that. And that's when they went after Anthony Fauci really hard. And now the world is just now catching up to that. They understood, they understand that he, you know, the NIH just came out a week ago and, and for the most part threw Anthony Fauci into the bus by saying he lied under oath in Congress, and yes, we absolutely did fund gain-of-function research. And so that's created a whole new world of trouble for Anthony Fauci, and now we have people, we're actually editing, as we speak right now, we're editing a new updated piece on that, where, you know, you have people like Dr. Drew and these major doctors coming out saying, I no longer trust Anthony Fauci, and he needs to resign. And can we, can we draw a direct link between that gain-of-function research um, from the Echo Health Alliance in Wuhan to the current mm-hmm. pandemic? I think there's many paper trails that do just that. And I, I can't say much about this, but I'll just say that I got a call from a whistleblower that uh, used to be part of the Echo Health Alliance. And I spoke with him last week. And there's some, so through that connection and several others, there's some very direct lines being drawn. So it's pretty obvious at this point Yet, as you said, they'll just continue to deny and deny, and they'll go off on CNN and MSNBC, and they'll just tell everyone that this is all a wild conspiracy theory. And it's, it's not. It's, um, it's, it's not. And ironically, it, it, I guess it took the discovery of Anthony Fauci's horrific experiments that he's been doing on dogs for people to care. Um, why that matters more than the experiments that are being done on children right now, I don't know why, but at, honestly, whatever it takes whatever it takes to get that uh, Pandora's box opened. Mickey Willis, editor, co-author, Plandemic, Fear is the Virus, Truth is the Cure. Mickey, how do we get a copy? You can go to plandemicseries.com, and the book banner is right on there, and that'll take you to a direct link. That one takes you to Amazon, and I, I will tell people that it, it, was, it took a lot for me to accept that my book would be sold on Amazon because I realized that that, that, that organization is, is part of the problem right now. And, um, but but we're, at a, we're at a particular threshold when it comes to our, our evolution, and particular technological evolution, where these, these organizations are necessary right now. We're, we're busy building our own and creating decentralized platforms. It's, so much good stuff happening right now, so many solutions being built. But right now we're at the mercy of these major tech corporations if we want to get the word out beyond our bubbles. And so um, I ask people to overlook that aspect of it and and check out the book and buy some for your friends because that's, that's really, um, that's really what, what we wrote it for was that, that we can get it to our friends and family and, and hopefully heal the divide that the media has been so incessant of creating. I know my listeners up here in Canada will be very interested in this book. Have you, are you hearing any reports of people having difficulty getting the book? For example, uh, having the book you know, pa- pass through customs into Canada. I've not heard anything regarding customs, but I've had a few people in Australia because, you know, uh, you know that uh, with Canada and Australia, you guys are in some of the worst uh, lockdown situations ever. And I've had a lot of people from Australia tell me that when they go to purchase the book, that it's telling them that it's not available or it's sold out or, <clears throat> or something like that. So we're trying to remedy that right now. Uh, but so far, uh, so far, people, we, we have been able to find, you know, I, I'll say this, if people go to plandemicseries.com and if they have a problem from Canada, send us a note. There's a, there's a very clear button that says contact. Send us a note. I read nearly every single email that comes in, and particularly the ones that, that pertain to the book. 
And we just did this for someone, in a, a podcaster in Australia, where I just went ahead and directed them straight to my publicist, I'm sorry, to my publisher, and they helped them up, uh, obtain all the books that they needed. So we're happy to do that for anyone who has any kind of an issue ordering the book. There's that um, oft-repeated saying, you know, never let a good crisis go to, mm-hmm. to waste. Churchill used it. Yeah. Rahm Emanuel used it. Uh, to what extent was this pandemic uh, all about, you know, creating the crisis in order to offer the cure, and the cure was a severe curtailing of civil liberties? Well, you know, that's why we called it pandemic. It's pretty obvious at this point, especially when you see... A- if, if you see Plandemic 2 indoctrination, Plandemic 1 is the one that went was seen by over a billion people. Plandemic 2 has been seen by a couple of hundred million. But that one really offers the, the clarity of how this happened and the preparation leading up to the announcement of the pandemic with a bunch of simulated tabletop exercises to prepare the world and a lot of the people that are profiting from it right now. It was all They were all in the room. It was funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And it was very clear and even creepy when you watch it to understand what they knew a year before the, the pandemic was announced, what they knew would they be in short supply of, how they knew the media would supply, how they knew the people would, uh, would react. And so it was very clear that they were working out a way to work around all the different obstacles when they, when they came. But yet nobody, even though they knew a year before the pandemic was announced, and they knew everything they'd be in short supply of, that, that no one with their, you know, very deep pockets in that organization and the combined collective organizations took the time to actually go out and manufacture these things that we needed and have them ready for the pandemic that Anthony Fauci said would absolutely, without a doubt, come within Trump's presidency. So they knew it was coming, and, and, I, be, and I believe, and I think, you know, at this point, millions of people are very clear that this was, leveraged for political power to justify the stripping away of our civil liberties, which never come back. As I always say, you know, when after 9-11 took place, one dummy with explosives in his shoes, we 20 years later, we still take off our shoes and we go to the airport. These things never come back. And so the, it's a narrowing of our, of our freedoms that that is the ultimate goal so that they can have us all under a digital currency, under total control, so and, and under perhaps even a, a, a universal basic income that will allow then the government to say, well, we don't like what you said online, and so you don't eat this month. And so until you shape up and, and behave the way we want you to, you know, you, you, you better because you're no longer sovereign. You don't make your own money. We've shut down all the mom-and-pop independent businesses, and now you just buy from the big box stores and, and, and be a good citizen, and we'll... we'll uh, We'll give you what you need to, to get by, to barely get by. That is the ultimate goal, and that's and that's not hyperbole. If you look at the other nations that this has happened to, particularly China, and and many others, uh, then you'll understand that it's we're we're literally following a playbook that has been repeated over and over again. But I have very little um, uh, concern that they're going to be able to fully pull it off in America. You said something. Very, very important. You don't think they'll get away with this in the United States. Explain. Well, you know, the other nations that have surrendered to this type of agenda were much smaller nations with, with, with far less power. 
America has been the firewall from this agenda happening for a number of decades. This, this has been in play for a hundred years or more. And the people that are behind this, and, you know, I, I hesitate to even label them, but I would say that they all can fall under a category known as globalist, and that are, those are the people who, admittedly, out on, you know, microphone and international television, will say that there's a need for a one-world government. And they've been working towards that for a number of decades by destabilizing other nations, creating wars, and then setting up central banks and creating a state of dependency in other nations on the U.S. dollar, bailing them out with U.S. aid, and then we eventually own that nation. And now the benefit for the, the people on this globalist agenda to to control all the other nations is so they, they don't have outliers in this like they had in this particular case. They had so many outliers, so many, when you look at Sweden and Hong Kong and, and, and different, even within our own nation here, when you look at South Dakota and, and different states that just decided that they weren't going to go along with such severe protocols, every one of those places have, not only did they not destroy their economy, but their numbers, their infection rates, their death rates, all of it is far better than the worst examples, that being, say, Israel, New York, Los Angeles, Australia, parts of Canada. All the places that went the most extreme are in the worst shape. And so they don't want to be able to have those outliers. They don't want to be able to have the certain governors or mayors in, in certain cities or, or presidents of certain nations to be able to have the individual sovereignness power to say, no, we're not going to play that game. They have to all be under one control so that they, when they do these global scams that everyone has to participate and we don't have anything to compare it to. But the, the good news is we have a lot to compare this to. We're, all the numbers are coming in right now, and, and even the numbers with the amount of hospitalizations that are happening for people who were fully vaccinated. The hospitals are filled with people who were fully vaccinated right now, and the people who weren't vaccinated, they're not very few of them are getting COVID for a second time. They, they got it, they got the antibodies, they built their immune system, and they're doing better. They're, they're in better shape. And that's just science. That, those are just the real numbers when they're allowed to actually be seen. And so America has always been the firewall because of its power, because of its military power, because, because of the experiment that it is in liberty. It has always been the hurdle to stop this agenda from going global in all other nations. And I just, in answer to your question, because of what I'm seeing here, being on the inside and the front line of, of all the different solutions and the people that are waking up, this is going to backfire like nothing else. And we're going to end up with a far more, we'll always have a division, always have people that, that will never accept what's really happening here. But for the most part, the Americans are waking up at a rapid pace to understand that our government, areas of our government, not all of it, is incredibly corrupt. And this is all about politics. And I believe that I, well, what I always say is one of the unintended consequences of the situation is it gave birth to a generation of researchers and citizen journalists. And that in itself is a gift that we can't put a price on. Do you have any insights into why, for example, you mentioned some of these jurisdictions in the United States that never bought into the official narrative? Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, uh, Christy Nome, governor of South, South Dakota. Were they, were they getting their advice, let's say, from the Barrington Declaration rather than relying on the official science tables? How did they avoid this mess? Well, you know, it's really become a polarized party thing. And I will say this from somebody who I come from the far left. I, I, my political awakening began when I was on the road documenting Bernie Sanders' 2016 campaign. And then I went on to follow Tulsi Gabbard around 
for her campaign. She's a wonderful person. Bernie, I'm not. I'm no longer a fan of. I understand that he's a Trojan horse for this thing he calls socialism, which is communism in disguise. The reason I brought up the political side of it, just to let people know I come from the left, is that all of the people who are doing that resisted this happen to fall on the right. I find myself to be a political orphan. I'm somewhere in the Libertarian Party now. I would think that that's kind of where I probably end up, if not, you know, really hoping that a new party comes out in the next few years. Because I think we have a lot of problems in the Republican Party, too. Yet, when it comes to this particular agenda, the majority of the left-leaning or blue states within my nation have been, these people have been planted there for their ability to be controlled. And in the, the states that were red, and, and a lot of those are the rural areas like South Dakota and beyond and, and you know, Florida, and I'm in Texas. Those are, the, those are the places that maintained enough common sense. And we saw it here in Texas because Texas is, is purple. It's blue and red in a particular area of Texas that I'm in. And so we, we got to see it firsthand. We got to see from, from county to county, city to city, literally driving through one city it was just full lockdown mass mandates all of that and then you drive to the next county and it's got you know the constitutional sheriffs and the it's a it's a red county and they had none of that and and their numbers were lower the people were less scared they just went on with their lives and they continued to grow their food and do their thing and then we have the you know we look over to the left here and they're doing quite the opposite and so you could just see the effect and the, the, the leverage that politics has over the behavior of the people and so in answer to your question I just it's really a political thing it is a party thing and this one happens to fall on the left mostly I also want to mention that we just did a partnership with an incredible doctor who was just nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize named Dr. Um, Zelenko. Ah, uh, yes. Vladimir Zelenko, who has created an incredible um, health remedy uh, to, to combat the attack against our immune system. It's called Z-Stack, and it's on there, too, and the, and the formula's on there so people can go, go out and buy it on their own. It's all over-the-counter stuff, but I highly recommend that people take it serious and look at that to um, get, get our immune systems boosted before this dark winter that's coming. Yeah, and it's he, all there at pandemicseries.com. And he developed the hydroxychloroquine protocol with, uh, with astromyosin and, and zinc and so forth, um, which kind Correct. of leads into the next question. And I've had Dr. Peter McCullough on the, on the program many, many times. Peter and, will be here in my studio next week. Ah, wonderful. Talking about, uh, and I've asked him, you know, how many lives does he think could have been saved had they fo- had we followed here in the, in the West, for example, the uh, the protocols of Uttar Pradesh in India, 240 million people, COVID is finished thanks to ivermectin. Any ideas about how many lives could have been saved had we intervened with either HCQ and zinc or ivermectin? Almost all of them is the best way to put it, because you know we're looking at an 85 to 99 percent success rate. As a, both as a prophylactic and as treatment during COVID. And every doctor I had in my studio here, Dr. Robert Malone, who created the mRNA technology, he said the same thing. Uh, as I mentioned, Zelenko, uh, he was here in my studio the week before that. He says the same thing. All of these top doctors, Judy Michaelvitz, David Martin, everybody that I'm associated with say the same thing right now. And a lot of them chose to speak out to me, even during this dangerous time when they can lose everything, simply because... I reached out to them at one point. Some of them said, it's just too dangerous. I can't, I'll lose everything, and I can't afford that. But after they smeared hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, these doctors got a hold of me, and they said, at this point now, I can say that they're actively killing people because they know, these people know. There's no way that Fauci 
does not know the effectiveness of those two medications that have been around for decades. And so when we see this on the news, it has us know that there's a very, very dark agenda happening, and now we have to speak out. We feel that's our moral obligation to speak out. And it's because of, because of that lie about medicines that these doctors know, and most of them have said that they've been prescribing them for years, and they've had very little side effects, mostly just an upset stomach, which is you know, very common when somebody ingests some kind of a pharmaceutical, um, but that they've seen people... They, they, you know, Vladimir Zelenko told me, literally, he said he's seen people go from incredibly sick to almost 100% recovered within either hours or just a couple of days. And he's seen it over and over and over at this time. You know, at, at, I guess at one point, a, few, a couple thousand people or so that he's treated, several thousand people, I think. And so there's just really no denying it at this point. And so you really have to ask yourself a question. Do they really care about our health and our well-being if they're... You know, they're now they're trying to create, you know, the pharmaceutical companies are trying to create their version of ivermectin so that they can patent it. That's the whole problem. This is all about patents. They cannot patent it. it ivermectin is off patent, and it's 30 cents a dose, and they can't make any money off of it. So now they're, they're, they're creating their own version of it that they can patent and then now, you know, charge a lot more for it and make a lot of money off of it. We're seeing all these cracks in the narrative. We just had our chief public medical officer up here in Ontario kind of let it slip for the first time, really. I mean, he, I don't know if he realized he actually he said it out loud that a prior infection confers immunity. And yet, that, that's, there's no exemption for a prior infection. We have a travel ban going into effect here in Canada the end of November. You won't be able to get on a plane or a train or a marine vessel and travel within your own country or abroad unless you're fully vaccinated. Yeah. Canadians will be prisoners, unvaccinated Canadians, prisoners in their own country. Again, we see these cracks. He let it slip. What is, what is yeah. it going to take for this dam to finally burst? We see all the cracks. Yeah, well, it's, it's bursting. It's bursting in slow motion. I, I, would, I would tell people if you really want to have clear evidence, study the Amish. The Amish have their own way of doing things, and one story that we're researching right now was that uh, from one Amish community, they had, as soon as COVID, the first person had COVID within their community, they had a party where everybody drank out of the same wine glass until they all contracted COVID, and they all got sick, and they were all in bed for a few days, and then they all recovered naturally with you know organic remedies, and now they're totally immune to it. They have the full antibodies, and instead, what we've done is we have suppressed our immune systems. We were told to stay inside, out of the sunlight, out of the vitamin D. We were told not to exercise, and we were told to disinfect our homes, meaning that we were weakening our immune systems by creating a sterile environment. This is why when people go into ICU for several months, they just can't be integrated back into society because they'll get sick and they'll die because their immune systems shut down in a sterile environment. So we literally created an ICU environment in our homes by spraying our countertops, you know, not to mention the fact that a lot of these sprays were toxic in themselves and no, you know, there, was, there were no health experts that come out to say, be careful with this brand or, or these chemicals or this formula, use only this, these are the healthiest ones. No, they didn't want that. They wanted us to use the unhealthy stuff. So now we have all these people with immunocompromised systems that are now, and this is why we have what they're calling the super cold. You know, the UK is experiencing the super cold right now and it's spreading here. So we're, what is a super cold really? Well, it's the cold 
but it's super because our immune systems are so not super right now. So, so what, what would normally be just be the sniffles and a little bit of a cold, we stay in bed for a day or two. Now people are being locked in their rooms and beds for two weeks with this super cold that they said is one of the most horrific colds they've ever had in their lives. And this is all because of the degradation of our natural immune systems. So we're playing with nature, where it's a war against nature. And this is really what Big Pharma is up to, because at the end of the day, it's a win-win for them. Because if we destroy our national immune systems, then we're literally dependent upon them to survive our toxic environment. That's, that's, that's ultimately, at the end of the day, what's going to happen to a lot of people who are taking thir- three and four booster shots. Uh, Mickey, you point out in the book... Pan- pandemic, fear is the virus, truth is secure, that uh, there have been over 500 new billionaires in a single year created because of the, uh, of the pandemic. Just final question, and we just have a short, like a minute here. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. foresee a reckoning happening? Do you foresee, for example, uh, a Nuremberg II type trial? I, I think, you know, something perhaps, it, you know, I don't know that it'll be a to that degree, but when you see there's a video going around right now of Bill Gates trying to um, drive through some part of London and and people are shouting at his car, you murderer, we know who you are, we know what you did. And so the people are waking up to this, and I think that we're going to see some form of justice. I don't know what that would look like, Richard, but I do believe that we're very close to seeing a resignation, which then will lead towards some type of charges against Anthony Fauci. I believe that'll be the beginning of it. And then that may then spill on into really investigating Bill Gates, which has to be done, because I know the history of that man. And if anyone still thinks he's a good-hearted philanthropist, boy, (laughs) I got a bridge to sell you. I know that you're not about, I told you so, and you would take very little solace in being vindicated by all of this, but you have been, and uh, I, I think you're doing the Lord's work. Mickey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your openness and your support, and God bless you, sir. Thank you. Mickey Willis. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.